Welcome today. Glad you're here with us on the Worship Leader Toolbox podcast. We're going to have a conversation about three benefits to a smaller worship setting. How are things going, Tim? Oh, it's going great. And I know by the time this recording hits the listeners, it's going to be a couple weeks past Easter, but just got done with a great celebration. And I thought it was really fun to be a part of it at our church, music and people and just the uh, energy. It was just really cool. I I think churches across the board from looking at Facebook seemed really encouraged. It just seemed like there was a ton of momentum that hasn't been there the last couple of years in, uh, in, in gatherings. So I think that's pretty awesome. Nice. New, new, new seasons. Yep. Our district superintendent uh, played violin with us on Sunday morning. Oh, that's on cool. E- Easter Sunday morning. It was great. I think we're going to have him Who, uh, a little more often. Who's that? Uh, that's Ben Tully. Oh, uh, he plays violin, huh? He does. Wow. That's wild. Well, that's he does really a lot of cool. things. You know, Tim, yeah. you know Ben? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And he does the old uh, Highland Games, the Scottish Games thing. Oh, well, I don't know about that. I just know him from just all the church circles. Oh, okay, but cool. I've just run into him here and there. Yeah. But uh, that's pretty neat that he does music. Well, let's get into our conversation today, this idea of benefits to a small worship setting or situation. Yeah, and this idea of churches um, or worship leaders being in a smaller space, that's what we're kind of thinking about here. And not just spaces in like a tiny little room, but more like a, a smaller situation of ministry. And so, you know, if, you're, if your stage is maybe more traditional or if you don't have grand lighting or a huge state-of-the-art tech, um, you know, this is kind of like a setup of the benefits that come whenever we aren't in uh, a huge church. And so if you're a worship leader and you're watching like tutorial videos or you follow uh, hashtag worship leader on social media or hear about it from other people, there's a chance that you might feel like your ministry isn't anywhere close to successful because of all these other huge, you know, kind of monstrosities of ministries, which are all awesome as well. But the truth is, and I don't have statistics here, but basically a majority of the worship settings and um, places where people have church are on the smaller side. There's literally like this army of uh, leaders who are, are serving in in thousands of smaller buildings and spaces and congregations all over the globe. And so I don't know if we want to pick like a size range for this podcast, Um but I'm thinking like a church that has like 40 to 130 people, like the 100 range. And I know there's just a lot of churches like that. And so I just thought we would share these three benefits just to kind of encourage those folks. You may not have a huge budget, a large talent pool, incredible production, but Jesus is still the ultimate worship leader. The Holy Spirit is still present, and you have these three advantages. Number one, relationally driven. And this gets to this idea of a smaller size church. So, and Dave, we we both are in slightly different situations of churches. And every listener here is in one of the camps. It's either small, medium, or large. (laughs) And everybody Mm kind of has their thought about, you know, how that works. And, of course, there are beautiful relationships and connections in larger churches, too. But it's just different in a smaller setting. Like a example would be a college group who worships together with an acoustic guitar on Thursday nights and they all know each other personally and they're clocking a lot of hours together. Uh, you know, they're together nearly every day type thing. 
or the small church members who have been together in a church for years with really a strong connected sort of like family heritage almost, just a huge shared memory. And all of this really affects the presentation. So in a huge congregation, the major relationship that people have with the worship team is from the stage. So in a lot of ways, it is based on skill and presentation and production and the sound. And the connection does grow, but it's not really a personal knowledge. So again, I'm walking a fine line here on this podcast because we don't want to make it sound like it's bad to be in a big church. Like that's not the point of this. The point is to encourage smaller churches to take hold of the the benefit that they have as opposed to bemoaning the fact that they don't have a huge church with huge production, huge all the other stuff. So even as, even in a big church, it's important for somebody to be in a small group for this relational component. But in these smaller settings, the relational component will really help the, the bond grow and allow worship to be deeper and uh, and just you know a different kind of feel. You know what I like about uh, being in a small church is the opportunity for banter on stage. If you're at a large church, you can't really see Joe down in the audience and 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 say something funny and have everybody uh, laugh at that. Uh, but in a small church, you're just talking banter from the person on the stage talking to people in the congregation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We don't do that a whole lot in our church because they have changed the lighting where I can't see anybody. <laughs> it's all, you know, that everything's dark and then there's lights on the stage and everything like that. But I was at a church uh, in Missouri where that was an all-the-time occurrence, especially with the pastor. The pastor set the president for that, but he he'd always banter with right in the middle of his sermon stuff. But uh, even, even during the worship, uh, that would happen uh, occasionally yeah. at, at the right time. That is a style of the worship. I mean, it is a style for a church, and a pastor usually has to lead the way. But to mm-hmm. to personally call out people as examples, and and everybody kind of knows it, and it's it's benign enough that it isn't embarrassing, and all those things, so that people feel like this is a family feel, even if they're not part of the, you know, mm-hmm. they're not part of that conversation. But yeah, that is, that's that's definitely like you can't do that at a certain point size wise, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the lights that you mentioned, that is something of a barrier if if you let it. You know, some people walk up on stages and they put their hand over their eyes like they're trying to see out. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's just interesting. But yeah, that's really true. That's good. But the bank really stage adds to the relationship whenever you're able to break that um, invisible wall of performer versus viewer. Mm-hmm. Yep, and and that is definitely more noticed when the production is less. Mm. That's that's true because if you're in a setting where it's just a circle of people or a small acoustic type feel of just metal chairs in a room and there's you know thirty five people and it's just you sitting in front of them, it is so much easier to stop for a minute and and listen for the congregation to actually respond when you ask a question. You know, mm-hmm. even if it's a simple question like "How you doing today?" I mean, it's a uh, there, there's a definite part of that. As soon as the production element enters, it feels like the stage people kind of uh, move to a different level. Mm-hmm. So, and and really, that relationship is kind of what carries it. You know, back to this relational, um, relationally driven. In a smaller church, uh, you kind of are going with who you have available to lead, and that's not bad. And there's gifted people in those settings for sure, but there's not a huge bench of talented people. Uh, over and over and over. I mean, like, basically, you're saying, who is best equipped out of our church to lead us at this moment? And that person steps in and humbly says, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a try. I'll do it. And mm-hmm. so 
the relationship really does carry the potentially slight less music ability. And, uh, and if, if you had that, you know, maybe slightly less musical ability in a church that was counting on it being, you know, grand from the stage, it would be a hard connection to make. But this Mm -hmm. relationally driven aspect really, you know, these people are like known and they're, they're loved. If they're, if they're not there, they're missed. They're cared for on a different level. And it goes both ways from the music people to the congregation and, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yep. That relational setting is pretty important. And there will always be a niche for a smaller setting in worship. Like that's just, that's just the nature of it. It's never mm-hmm. going to go away. Imagine a, a really large church. I, I'm not connected to any really large churches, but I uh, imagine that they would try to have some um, aspect of that. You know, Sunday morning, you've got 3,000 people, but throughout the week, maybe some of your small groups look like this 100-person small church, 50-person mm-hmm. small church. That that would seem logical to me. I don't know if they do that or not. But Oh, I mean, one thing that had an impact on me once was me calling a church that had 10,000 people, asking their worship leader to come to our church and do a seminar. Oh, wow. And the title of the seminar that I wanted him to speak on was called Thinking Like a Large Church. And as soon as I told him this title... He started laughing and laughing and laughing. I could hear him like holding the phone back laughing. And he gets back on the phone and goes, that's hilarious, dude, because I just got done with a staff meeting where our pastor was hammering into our heads that we got to start thinking like a smaller church. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) So it is true that if your church is large, it doesn't matter how it is. You've got you've got to have a connection of people and Mm -hmm. it's got to be a you know, you got to have relationships. You got to belong somewhere. And those groups are probably the groups that are between five and six and twenty five people like you got to be part of something and mm-hmm. a big church is pretty much made up of a whole bunch of tiny little churches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Number 2 less commotion. Yeah, throw in any thoughts here because this isn't like scripture or anything. These are just three random thoughts about, you know, what what might be a benefit to smaller churches, but I do know that God wired us up with distinct and unique personalities and for some people who are more reserved, a more informal and simpler more relational and uh, just kind of looser setting is preferred for worship. And for these for these folks, I can imagine that the commotion that goes into a full-scale large church setting is probably just too much. And that, you know, is part of the volume. It's partly just the uh, extroverted nature of the hospitality teams. I mean, it's just all of that together, all the people in one place. So I, I just wonder, there's probably an entire population that just uh, is um, – more willing to be a part of a smaller worship setting. And, and, um, the cool thing is, is that a smaller church can offer that (laughs) much easier than a large church trying to not be a big, uh, ball of, of commotion. So I think that's a, a pretty cool encouragement to those churches. And, and this is also just my own thought. I'm, I'm probably a borderline on more of the commotion type person. Like I love walking into big places and, and even though I'm not much of a Gregorius kind of like shout things out to everybody, I just like the experience of it. But I have a lot of friends and family who are sort of just the opposite. So, Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have not thought about this aspect of large church versus small church when it comes to uh, introvert versus extrovert. But I, I fit the bill. I, I love being in their little church of whatever it is right now, 50 or yeah. 60 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and anytime I go to visit, I think the last large church I visited, uh, was Rachel's church down in, uh, Marion. Oh, okay. I had, I don't know, 
500 people, 600 people, something like that. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't terrible, but it's, it's not my favorite kind of place. Yeah. Well, and I, yeah, and I, I think the Lord is, um, I mean, the Lord obviously is wise and knows what's going on with the church that he started. I mean, the church is God's. And so I, I don't get, you know, I don't want to get into like a, an odd place where I'm like picking it apart from a sociological point of view, but, but it is true that certain denominations attract certain personalities. Mm-hmm. So you can almost just see that there are certain denominations that are more uh, attractive toward people who like to be thinkers mm-hmm. and sit there and just like a cerebral kind of like thought about it. And then there are certain denominations where you can pretty much guarantee that you're going to walk in and get hugged. Yeah. And so <laughs> yeah. then there's just like everything in between there. So it's just yeah. weird because it's almost like, um, people always say, Oh, can't we all just get along? Well, in sense, um, Christians do because we all have the same mission. But in another sense, a lot of people gravitate toward people who are like themselves. And mm-hmm. so if you're not a hugger or if you are, then you gravitate toward that group. And so sometimes I've thought denominations are more about reaching different personalities than about theological, you know, whatnot. And I know it's a little bit of all that, but anyway, hmm. yeah, a smaller church definitely has the opportunity to, uh, create commotion on the flip side and not to unencourage people, but um, a smaller church also has the, because of that, the drama has more opportunity to be mm. revealed. And so yeah. there's drama in big churches too, but it's, um, it's, you know, a little more scripted in some sense. Like there's actually uh, kind of a, everybody has like opportunity to know and talk about it in the smaller settings. Then you got the relational messiness and the, and the drama is usually the most commotion you're going to have there. Yeah, it's like a small town. Everybody yeah. knows everybody in a small town. <laughs> yep. And if you've been there for the last 20 or 50 years, you are you have a certain mindset of how things should be, and new people that come in might ruffle some feathers or, or whatever. And uh, I don't see that happening so much in a large church. There's mm-hmm. other types of politics in a large church, but a small church, yeah, it's, just, it's like a small town situation. Yeah, that's good. Number three, opportunities for involvement. This third one is really from another statement I heard one time that said a large number of pastors come out of smaller churches. And I've just kind of taken note of that over the years. I think it's probably changing a little bit now because of the nature of um, the idea of mentorship and internships and the opportunity to be in churches and to grow up in, you know, in ministry through those. But for the most part, um, this quote came because a lot of the preachers that are serving in churches were part of smaller, more family, more countryish type churches because, um, or not because, but in, in part because they had the opportunity to serve in ministry. So if you're in a smaller setting, then the students usually get some sort of involvement, be it out of necessity or out of just an openness for it. And if you're in a larger setting, the students are more relegated to the system of like, you know, student ministry and all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And so, um, not that we are going to shoot for lower expectations, but, uh, in a, in a sense, the larger church ministry, there's more systems, more requirements and, and more expectation. And so at some point, a high school student may never get a chance to stand up and sing a song or pray a prayer or preach a message or do a devotion or whatever. And so, um, I just think it's interesting to think about a smaller church has the ability. One of the benefits is that you can uh, take more risks and involve more people and, and in, in a lot of ways can recover more quickly 
because of the relational component if things don't go right. <laughs> so mm-hmm. there's just a, a lot of opportunity for leaders to get their feet wet in ministry in smaller settings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the uh, the larger churches seem to have a more of a social media presence and YouTube channel and Facebook uh, broadcast and all that kind of stuff. And so they have more pressure to make it right. To oh, make definitely. It perf- perfect. And, uh-huh. and uh, the smaller churches... Yeah, it's it's you can have a, be- a better uh, bounce back if something goes wrong, and you might not even be broadcasting something from a smaller church. So there's yeah. no there's no pressure of that. It's just the people in the room, and they love you. So do there, your best. That is definitely true. The people in the room and they love you, and they know you, and so they're mm-hmm. just happy with how things go. And it's not that. And again, fine line here because it's not that the small church doesn't care and and doesn't like quality. It's it's more that the small church is really built on knowing these people. And so mm-hmm. they're giving them opportunities out of love. And so that's just a huge, a huge benefit. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, you're right about the pressure of online. Like that changes, changes a lot of stuff. Like it changes what kind of videos you show or how the kids come back and talk about the mission trip at the end of the summer. And just anything like that is going to be filtered through the fact that, all right, we're putting this out there for the world to see what does this mean? Or the, um, you know, the flow of the service, any, all that fits in there. So, and, and one thing, I mean, after we've mentioned these three things now pretty briefly, but one thing I do know is that, um, that I, I really believe that God has all sizes of churches situated right in the right place in the world. And, um, worship is definitely one of the primary things we do, but just in case it does sound like this fine line run of like large church versus small church, I think large churches are encouraged anyway. They're encouraged on a lot of fronts. And uh, there's a lot of hard work and a lot of disappointments too. But um, I think there's a different sort of need for encouragement for worship leaders serving in smaller settings. And that's why we just wanted to kind of raise these three things just to to really capitalize on them. And in another sense, even a large church could take these things and capitalize on it to some degree. So Mm -hmm. that'd be like maybe... (laughs) Probably a lot of different angles you can go with that, but it's uh, it's pretty cool. No matter where you're serving, I encourage you to give your all. Be content. Keep making things better and enjoy the season God has you in right now. Thanks for being a part of the Worship Leader Toolbox. Tim, I think there are a couple more things we want to share today. Yeah, I, I appreciate you being a part of this podcast, Dave. And um, in the way of announcements, a couple things. One is we are still um, seeking summer team members. This is our 28th summer, I think, for serving in ministry in the summer. And it's basically leading children and youth ministry camps in Illinois for about six weeks. And um, we're still needing uh, a couple roles for sure. Instrumentalist, a drummer, and um, a tech person. And so if you are uh, listening to this podcast and you know of a, a young adult or college age, typically that's the age range because it is like day and night during the summer. It's not just a couple times here and there. It's like Sunday through Saturday type events. And, um, and we lead music each morning and each evening. But if, if you somebody comes to mind or if you're a young adult listening to this uh, and you're in our Midwest area or even close, we would love to connect and see if it's a good fit. We're just praying God sends us the right people. And the website to find out more is harvestministryteams.com. And then the second announcement is uh, just a simple thing that I just wanted to throw out when we're talking about the small church worship leaders topic. 
if you are leading worship and you're part of ministry in some way, uh, involved in worship ministry at whatever size of church, then I would love to just offer the opportunity to visit on the phone if you have something where you feel stuck. If you're kind of not sure what step to take to take things to the next plateau or you're discouraged or you're just needing some coaching in general, I would love to uh, just set up a time and talk with you. And you can find out more about setting up a time and uh, being a part of that process um, at worshipleadertoolbox.com slash coaching. And uh, I'm not talking about long-term ongoing. It's more like a couple visits on the phone to uh, to kind of get a new perspective. So I'd love to do that. Well, I can tell you it is a joy to talk to Tim about all this worship stuff off uh, off the air. Well, are you on the air? This is a podcast. Anyway. <laughs> Close enough. Close enough. Uh, it, is, uh, it is a joy to talk to Tim. So anybody that has some questions, uh, I, would, I would encourage you to, to call Tim. And a third announcement, if you have a question about worship ministry, we would love to hear it. I don't think we're running out of stuff to talk about yet, but we would love to be able to answer some of your questions on this podcast. Send me an email to dave at worshipleadertoolbox.com and ask away. That's all for today. Blessings. <laughs>